You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 8. Enjoy. Let's see here. You guys ready? Yes. Have you, have you, you're not letting the noise of this world worry you, are you? You're not letting the suggestions of the adversary worry you, are you? Are we rolling over there, Judah? All right, thanks, bud. So didn't we have a good time last week? We've been having a party here on Sunday morning. My goodness, we've been having fun. And uh, we're in the midst of a series called Built Jesus Tough. Yeah. So it's better than Ford Tough. Now, I asked uh, uh, someone yesterday, I said, "What's what's the best truck out there? I thought it was GMC. He agreed, but... He said four trucks are pretty tough, but we're talking about Jesus yeah. tough, yeah. built Jesus tough. We're built Jesus yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. A life built on the promises of God is a life built Jesus tough. We live differently. We make decisions for different reasons. We don't make decisions in our daily lives based on what we've been through. We don't make decisions based on how people have treated us. We don't make decisions based on what we may currently be facing. We make our daily decisions based on the finished work of Christ, based on who God is, what he's done for us in Christ, and who we are in Christ. It's a very different way of living. And I've heard sometimes people contrast faith with reason. And I understand that and and what they're saying in, in a sense they're saying it is true. But, you know, faith is not the absence of reason. It's reason for a different reason. It's, it's, it's reason that's built on the promises of God. That's what faith is. It's making decisions because of his word, of what he's promised us and what he's done for us. And that's what being built Jesus tough is all about. And we said there are only two steps, couldn't get simpler than that, to being Jesus tough. And number one is making God the Father your everything, your all in all. We had a memory scripture for that. Let's see how we're doing. Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified. You guys want to say it together? This is making God the Father all in all. We've made this decision. I don't think, well, let's leave the screen blank on this one. Let's see how well we do, okay? Ready? For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That'll take you all the way to your destiny right there. I always pause right there, don't I? For my determined purpose is, no, don't put the scripture up. Leave it blank. That I may know him. What's that mean? That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. That's the meaning of life right there. Becoming more intimate with him daily. Experiencing more of the wonders of who he is. And that's step one in being Jesus tough. And step two is then you begin to build your life on his promises. And that's so good. When when you begin to do that, things begin to change. God's promises are priceless. And they're not priceless because of the promise themselves, but because of the heart of God that's revealed through the promise. God's promises reveal his heart. 
God's promises reveal the true knowledge of God. And there's a lot of knowledge of God out there that's not true. And you have to be very careful to what you listen to and what you accept. So we're all about the promises of God. 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us that through the promises of God, we experience and participate in his nature, that they're magnificent and that they're precious. And Hosea 4.6, we can put that one up there. Hosea 4.6 says something quite startling. It says, my people are destroyed. Wow. Because of, the, who, who, because of who's in office? No. Because of, the, because of inflation or the stock market. Right? Or because of uh, factories' em emissions. No. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Geophysics. No. Chemistry. No. Knowledge of Him, of who He really is. My people are destroyed because they don't know who I really am. They lack knowledge of who I really am and what I've done for them. Right? Who's the destroyer? Is God the destroyer? You really wouldn't know, depending on what you hear from some pulpits. But he's not. Jesus cleared that up, didn't he? Satan's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Jesus said something that goes in line with this uh, in Mark chapter 7. I don't know of anything, and there isn't anything more powerful than the Word of God. Right? It, it set the boundaries for the seas. But look what Jesus said. He says, you're making, he, talked, he was talking to the religious leaders. You're making the word of God, the most powerful thing there is, of no effect through your tradition. That's stunning to me. That the most powerful thing we could ever experience could be of no effect in our lives through our tradition. Now, don't be fooled into thinking tradition is only robes and phylacteries and, and uh, liturgies. Religion is any, or tradition is any belief that you've held on to that is contrary to who he is. It will block the flow of God in your life. So what you want to begin to do is clear your mind of wrong thinking and get to know him as he is. And that's what this series is all about. And we've been having a great time. We've been enjoying the, 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 the goodness of God. And so we've been going through the true knowledge of God. And we've gone through spirit and soul. We're talking about the three parts of you. The true knowledge of God is this. It's God's will for you to be whole. I'd get thrown out of some places for saying that. But it's true anyway. Okay, the true knowledge of God as revealed to us through Christ is that it's God's will for you to be whole today. Spirit, soul, and body. There are three parts to who you are. We started talking about your spirit, and we went into your soul. They're not the same thing, right? Your soul's your mind, your will, and emotions. It's the equipment God has given us. It's connected to our spirit, but it's not the same thing. And so many Christians are struggling today because they're walking in their soul. They're letting their soul, their mind, their will, and emotions lead them instead of their recreated spirit. That's a very confusing way to live. It's a very difficult way to live. Wasn't last week amazing? We watched a five-minute clip. If you haven't listened to the message last week, please do. Do yourself a favor. You'll benefit from it. We watched a five-minute clip from a, a Nova episode called Memory Hackers. 
As we were talking about how the enemy wants to plant suggestions into your life and from that suggestion come false ideas. We saw a study that was done on a hundred some people and they convinced 70% at least of those people, I think it was, that they had committed a crime that they never committed by going one-on-one with a counselor through suggestive techniques. Very revealing. But Satan's doing that daily to believers. He'll pop a suggestion into your mind. It could be about anything in your life, but something to pull you away from who God really is and what he's done for you in Christ. And if you bite that thing and start meditating on that thing, it'll begin to take root in your life, and you won't even know what's going on. So we learned about the soul, but we're moving now. We spent some good time in the soul. Again, all those messages are available. It's all free at highwaychurch.us. Enjoy them. We're going to move into your body, spirit, soul, and body. All right, wholeness means spirit, soul, and body, every part of you. If God's redemption didn't cover our spirits, we're in trouble, right? If it didn't cover our soul, we're in trouble. If it didn't cover our body, we're in trouble. God covered the whole person when he redeemed us, all right? Now, before we get into the body, let's do our new memory scripture, Philippians 4. You ready? Philippians 4, verse 4. And then we're going to do verse 8. And and remember why we said this scripture? You have to tell your soul what to think and how to feel. Don't let your soul, your mind and emotions tell you what life is like. You have to keep it under the authority of your recreated spirit. You tell your soul what to think and you tell your soul how to feel. You do the same with your body, by the way. All right? So this is speaking to our soul like Psalm 103, right? Soul, bless the Lord. All that is within me, bless his name, right? He bore your sicknesses. He carried your disease. He forgave all your sins. He's crowned you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Do you tell your body that? Do you tell your soul that? So this is our new memory scripture. You're ready. Rejoice in the Lord always. Who are we talking to? Our soul, Right? Rich soul, rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in the current political situation. No, delight yourselves in who's running for president. No, delight yourselves who's him. Jesus, right? Soul, delight yourselves in Jesus. I'm going to say it again, soul, rejoice. I don't allow my soul to be down. You'll have lots of opportunities to get down, way down, right? Don't allow your soul to feel that way. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's a 24-7 reality. You can have joy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless of what might be going on around us. Rejoice in the Lord always, soul. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. And then we ended last time with the criteria for our thought life. This is what's allowed in our soul. Verse 8. Ready? Let's put it up there. This is our criteria. Finally, my brothers, right? whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. How do you say that? Admirable or admirable? I don't know. Ad- admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Anything that doesn't match those criteria gets dragged to the trash. Anytime, day or night. I do it in my sleep sometimes. Have a crazy dream. I don't even have to wake up. I just drag it to the trash. If it doesn't meet that criteria, it goes in the trash. It's got to be true. 
right? It's got to be noble. It's got to be right. It's got to be pure. It's got to be lovely. It's got to be admirable. It's got to be excellent. It's got to be praiseworthy or it's not allowed in my mind. It's not allowed. Who determines that? We do. God has given you control over your mind. Don't let anyone tell you different, right? He's given you control over your mind and he's given you control over your emotions, no, is there a scripture on that? There's a bunch of them. How about 2 Timothy 1.7? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's who we are in Christ. Don't let your emotions run your life. Don't let your emotions tell you what to believe. Don't let your mind tell you what to believe. You tell your soul what to think and what to believe. Hallelujah. All right, let's get into the body. I just thought of Slim Goodbody. You guys ever heard of Slim Goodbody? How about Captain Kangaroo? You ever heard of Captain Kangaroo? When I was a kid, there was a show on called Captain Kangaroo. And he'd have a guest come on there, Slim Goodbody. He had a solo. He went solo after that. He, he went off and had his own show. Yeah, he wore an anatomy suit. I just thought of that. So we'll talk about Slim Goodbody this morning. We're talking about your body. Do you know your body needs supernatural life to be whole? Organic food won't do it for you. In the Bible days, they were as organic as you got, and they had all kinds of problems, right? Jesus he had to heal all kinds of things. We need supernatural life to be whole. It's true of our mind. And sometimes what, what man does is they try and take God and fit him into what they can believe for or, or what's reasonable to them. And as a result, they shut the door to the supernatural provision of God in their lives, right? He's a supernatural God. He makes blind people see, deaf people hear, lame people walk, maimed people whole. He's supernatural. Always has been, always will be. So we're talking about a supernatural God, and I'm just going to say some things, then we're going to go into the scriptures. I, I like to rock your religious boat, yeah. right? Yeah. So in Ghazi at Highway Church, um, w this is kind of our perspective on religion. <laughs> so, we're, we're into relationship with Christ, knowing him, okay? And Jesus never came to establish a liturgy. He came to bring us into the presence of the Father. All right? So we're not trying to slam anybody. When I say religion, we're not talking about people. I'm talking about ideas, okay? Ideas that, that keep people from experiencing the life Christ came to give them. So I'm talking about a continuous abiding health for the rest of your time on earth. Now, this might be like, you know, fairy tale stuff to some. Like, come on, this guy's really lost it now. Continuous abiding health for the rest of your time on earth. We're going to need some scriptures. I don't think we'll get to them all today, but I'm telling you, it, it is absolutely going to transform your life. But there's a, some major obstacles between you and the supernatural health that God's provided for you. And one of the huge ones is a belief that's commonly taught, and it's a gross misunderstanding of God's sovereignty and God's will. It's run rampant in the church. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I, from my experience, this seems to be the biggest obstacle that I've come across in ministering to people for 
20 years or so, is this false understanding of God's sovereignty and God's will. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Am I in the way here? 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence. It's good to have confidence in God. This is the confidence we have. Not fear, not worry, not anxiety. This brings confidence. We have in approaching God. Are you confident when you approach God? If you're not, there's a wrong understanding there. Right? Something in your thinking needs to change. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask for just a few things. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. That if we ask anything. How dare God use a word like that? Do you notice Jesus, Jesus speaks in superlatives? Yeah. Whatsoever you desire, if you ask anything in my name. If we ask anything according to his will, right? He hears us. And if we know, there's that confidence, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So what's the kicker in this verse? What can keep you from being confident? Knowing his will, right? Satan's a master uh, deceiver, isn't he? He knows all the clauses. So if he can keep you from knowing God's will, he can keep you from being confident. All right? So there is a, a, a teaching out there that's very popular that says in speaking of God's sovereignty, or God's will, it basically implies this, directly or indirectly, that everything that happens is God's will. Everything that happens is God's will. And people will pray for people who, who are sick, and they'll say, if it be God's will. And we're going to see today, we're going to start today, see how faulty and false that is. What an ignorant concept of God that is. Remember, my people were destroyed for lack of knowledge. How can you pray in faith if you don't know the will of God? You can't, right? You can't. We have no confidence if we don't know his will. That's just kind of like throwing up a prayer and hoping maybe something will happen. You may as well twiddle your thumbs and sing twinkle, twinkle, little star. It's just as effective. God has brought us into a, a life that's by faith, not wondering or hoping, but confidence and it, it, that confidence comes when his will is clear. And Jesus made his will very clear. All right. So I, God's will, I found in the scriptures, does not automatically happen. I mean, the Bible's got a lot of stuff in there. In fact, Jesus' disciples, and he's our standard, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. They came to him and they said, teach us how to pray. And I love how he responded. He said, talk to your Father who's in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. What's that mean? Exalted, lifted up above everything we've ever thought. Above every philosophy, above every tradition, above every belief. Hallowed, exalted be who you are. That's his name, right? Your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus instruct us to pray for God's will to be done on earth if it happened automatically? That wouldn't make any sense, would it? Did Jesus make a mistake? No. In fact, Jesus went further. And I think in John chapter 12, 
he referred to Satan as the ruler of this world. John 14, I think he referred to Satan as the prince of this world. Paul called him the God of this world. In Ephesians, he says he's the prince of the power of the air. So the reality is Satan is the God of this world. He stole the authority that God gave Adam, but he's the destroyer. And we see that very clearly in the ministry of Jesus. So according to Jesus, God has a different plan than this strategy. The will of God doesn't automatically happen. We're going to go through a number of scriptures here as time allows. But let's talk about health. So people will pray if, if it be God's will for you to be well. Let me ask you a question. You know, if we just step back from some of these prayers and think a little bit, we'd say that doesn't make any sense. If it's God's will for us to be sick, let's close the hospitals because they're fighting against God, right? What's the first thing that happens if we get sick? We want to get better, right? What are, we, are we fighting against God? I mean, if it's his will to be sick, let's do it. Let's be sick, right? Let's go all out. Let's please God, right? Let's fulfill his will for our life. That's ridiculous. You see how foolish that is, right? Even our bodies, you never come to church or hear a message in your life, your body naturally fights against sickness the moment it enters without anyone ever telling you anything. Isn't that a testimony? And this is our fallen mortal body, right? Even in our fallen mortal state, your body hates sickness, and has built-in systems to fight and destroy it, right? Well, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Let's get into this thing. Do you have time to be whole? Right? I'm so glad God's not a fast food God. I love that about him. He's a, like a crockpot God, you know, where he'll slow cook you, man. And boy, when he's done, you're whole, right? He lets his word just cook inside of you. Don't be in a hurry. Let God transform you. Stuff that's made hot in a microwave isn't really hot anyway, is it? Well, it cools off quickly. You know, it's hot for a few seconds, and you're like, you know what? And then it's, sometimes it's cold in the center. But God wants us to be hot in the center. See, he's going to heat us up right now. You ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Holy Spirit, we're trusting you to transform us. We left our homes this morning, and we're not going back there the same. We thank you that by your grace we're leaving stronger today than when we were when we came in. We thank you that we're getting stronger in you, being transformed by you. We give you full right away in our lives to expose every wrong thought, every wrong tradition. And Lord, as you reveal them to us, we will passionately drag them to the trash and embrace who you are. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your will done in our lives, just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 1, I think the more I, I go over it, I think perhaps this is one of the most important passages in the whole of the Bible in all 66 books. It starts off in verse 1. It says, God, after he spoke long ago, how long ago? Anything prior to Jesus, okay? Long ago, Old Testament. After he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Okay, are you with me? Everyone wave their hands so we'll know all the way. I'm going to say something to you. Ready? The Bible is a progressive revelation of God. It's a progressive revelation of God. 
What do I mean by that? The further you go back in time, the less understanding they had of God. The less light they had on who he was after the fall. Okay? So what's the oldest book in the Bible? Yeah, good. Yeah, Genesis was, they say, written somewhere around 1405. That's written. That's not the acts of it, obviously, but written around 1405. They don't know when Job was written, but it clearly was written before Genesis. It's the oldest book in the Bible. Why is that important? Because in Job's day, they had the least amount of light on who God is. You will see a progressive revealing of God's character and nature throughout the Scriptures, and it came to its culmination in Christ. He's the revealed will of God. It's the day they all long for. But sometimes what happens is people will take a Scripture out of the Bible that's, that's not light on who God is, but they'll, they'll add it, they'll slap it on to the character of God. So let me, let me see how I say this like this. Uh, the Bible's God's Word, obviously. It's the Word of God. Now, don't, don't, don't lose your uh, composure here. But don't believe something just because it's in the Bible. Are you with me? All right? So the Bible is clearly God's Word. In other words, everything in the Bible is truly written. But there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible. There's examples of how to live and how not to live. There's examples in the Bible of how to think and how not to think. So I need to know which one's which, right? Because I can take an example from the Bible of how not to live. There's some horrible things that go on in the Bible. God didn't hide anything from us, right? Rape, murder, crime, horrible things. That's how not to live, right? I can take an example of thinking from the Bible. There's people, a lot of people in the Bible saying all kinds of different things. And not everything is in agreement with the character of God. I have to discern that through the character of Christ. Right? Give you a great example. I hear this one a lot at funerals from the book of Job, chapter 1. Right? Who, who, who attacked Job? Satan did, right? Satan did. And he went through a, a horrible situation, right? Satan destroyed his family. And in the midst of his sorrow, he made a statement, the Lord has given, right? Verse 21, and the Lord has taken away. You know, that's a false statement. He was in error making that statement. We don't have time to go through the book of Job. But I'll, I'll say that. We know in James chapter 117 that God is the giver of every good and perfect gifts. So the first part of his statement is true, right? Job was the most prosperous man around. That was God's doing in his life, right? But God didn't take away. How do we know that? Well, Jesus told us that, right? In John chapter 10, verse 10, it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. So how do we know what's an example of how to think and how not to think? Not by the message you hear, not by what I'm telling you, we have to interpret everything we hear in this life and everything we read in the Bible through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. He is the will of God, personified. So if I've come to conclusions based on Bible study, seminary training, tradition that can go back hundreds of years that contradict the person and ministry of Christ, I've made a mistake.
Because he is the will of God. So if you want to know the will of God for your spirit, for your soul, and for your body, you've got to go to Jesus. And that's what we like to do at Highway Church. We exalt him above every other idea out there. So look what Jesus said in John 16. That's John 14, verse 6. So how do we know the truth about God's sovereignty and God's will? Who should we consult? What religious leaders should we talk to? Actually, let's go to Jesus because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So if I'm holding on to a belief or tradition that contradicts his ministry, what am I doing? I'm exalting my past experience above who he is. I'm, th- I'm saying I know better, right? We're not going to do that. So he's the way, he's the truth, and the life. And let's go back into Hebrews. Hebrews 1, we didn't finish our passage. So in these, God after, God after he spoke long ago in the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, look at this now. He's done something different, no longer speaking through the prophets in these last days. So when are the last days? From Jesus on, Right? So we got everything before Jesus, everything after Jesus. These are the days we're living in. In these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. I'm so glad he did that. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And speaking of Jesus, probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. I love that. There's no deviation between the nature of Jesus and the nature of God the Father. He's the exact representation of God's sovereignty and God's will. The New Living Translation says it this way. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. That's the New Living Translation. Expresses the very character of God. Go ahead. You can go with the NCV version there. The New Century Version says, Jesus shows exactly what God is like. Exactly what God is like. I love that. So if we're going to know exactly what God is like, we've got to exalt Jesus. We've got to lift up who he is above everything we've been through, above everything we've ever been told, regardless of who told us it. We've got to exalt him because he is exactly what God is like. He's God in the flesh. I'm so glad about that. And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't change. Jesus is the sovereign will of God. You can put Hebrews 13.8 up there. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's no Jesus 1.0. There was never a beta version of God, right? Never a a 1.5 or a 2.0. He's the same. And why is that important? Because I came out of a religion when I was about 19 years old. I mean, I was in a big one that had all kinds of traditions. And I had, so, you know, long history in a denomination that spanned the globe. But something happened when I was 19 years old. I started reading the words of Jesus, the sovereign God. And I was absolutely shocked at what I read. And I thought, why haven't they told me this? I spent all those hours in that hard pew falling asleep 
and no one ever told me what Jesus said. So here I am, 19 years old. I'm reading John. Then I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I just couldn't get enough. And I believed everything I read. I took Jesus at his word, and I was full of, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I read Acts, and I believed it. I began speaking in tongues. Spiritual gifts began to operate in my life. Healing began to flow in my life. And I thought, God, you're amazing. You have what I looked for my whole life. And then I, got to meet, I started meeting other Christians. I was reading my Bible, and I was at a place, there's about 18,000 students in a university, a number of different Christian groups, and I started meeting these different groups, and I found not every one of them believed everything Jesus said. In fact, I found a number of groups that said, you know, everything Jesus did in the, in the Gospels and Acts, that was just for a special time. That's all done now. That was just a kickstart, you know, so people could know he's God and just to get the church rolling, but now, you know, that's all passed away. And I thought, who told them that? And why did they believe them? Where is that in the Scripture? That Jesus is the same yesterday, and that's it. <laughs> when did he change? When did this new version come out? He didn't. He's the same. So I remember going to a meeting one night on campus. I thought, I'd just like to hear what they believe. And they justified their explanation. They were against the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, healing, all those things. And they justified it by one verse in 1 Corinthians 13.10. And it talks about when perfection comes again, these things will cease. And the best I could gather is they were saying Jesus has already come, so there's no need for these things anymore. Well, actually, what the Scripture is talking about is when he comes back, not when he came the first time, right? There's a big need for Jesus in the earth. There's a big need for the Holy Spirit. In the earth. So what people have done, for they've accepted these ideas, and it blocks God in their lives. And they're, they just keep on going. They keep accepting things. But we're peeling all that away. We're going to take Jesus as he is. We're going to take him as he is because he's our Savior. He's our Lord. If he says it, we believe it. If he did it, we know it's so. And he doesn't change. He doesn't change. So let's look at this unchanging Jesus. Let's take him at his word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. You doing all right? It's good. We've got time to be whole, right? Hallelujah. We're not fast food Christians, right? We're crock pot. Maybe just crocs. I don't know. We're crock pot. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4. There's two places in Matthew. I like Matthew. Love the Gospels and Acts. Best place to see the sovereignty of God, clearly, because he's in the flesh moving before us. But there are two scriptures, two passages in Matthew, where Matthew gives us a comprehensive summary of the person and ministry of Christ. And chapter 4, verse 23 is one of them. He says, and Jesus went about, that's an ongoing thing, all Galilee, and he did three things, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing. What did he heal? What's it say there? All manner of sickness. We're just reading the Bible. We're just letting God be God, right? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, if someone comes along and slaps a big, but that's done now in front of you, what do you do? I shut that off. Well, then he's not going to heal me now, right? He did back then, and that was a special time, but I'm just kind of here now, right? So what am I doing? I'm closing the door to what he wants to do in my life because he hasn't changed. 
He, uh, he summarizes the ministry of Christ in another passage, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Let's pull that up there. And Jesus went about all, I love how God talks, all, all the cities, all the villages, doing what? Three things. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing what? Every sickness. Isn't it a complete redemption that we have? It's a complete deliverance from the curse of sin and everything that goes with it, which sickness comes with the curse of sin. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Those are two of the best, simplest summaries I know of in the scriptures of the ministry of Christ. Now here's a good one from Jesus himself. Are you ready? Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus. He comes into the temple. Right? No one really knows who he is yet. He's getting, to, getting ready to start his ministry. They hand him the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads it like no one else ever read it before because he's the fulfillment of it. And he stands up and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken heart. To what? Heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, hold on, stay in that scripture right there. Now, what's another philosophy that's come along? Well, that all just means spiritual. You know, that's quote-unquote whatever spiritual means. Yes, it's spiritual, but it's soul and body too. How do I know that this is not some distant thing that we have waiting for us in heaven? Jesus demonstrated what he just said. He spoke it and he did it. We study the ministry of Jesus and then he went about and he preached the good news to the poor. He, sent, he, he healed the brokenhearted. He preached deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, the physically blind right? To set at liberty them that are bruised. That's spiritually, that's emotionally, that's physically. We have time to do it in the Amplified. Let's see here. Yeah, let's do it in the Amplified. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity. God is all about you being whole. It's His passion. It's His desire. It's His will. It's His sovereign plan for you to be whole. Bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Look at verse 19. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. If you know some Bible history, he's, he's the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee. Right, Every 50 years in the Old Covenant, all the, all the slaves were set free, property was restored. Jesus is Jubilee. Jubilee's not here this morning, is she? Yeah. I love that name. But he's saying, I'm ushering a whole new season in the earth. Not a 24-hour period, not a 365-day period, but this season begins with my ministry and will end when I come back. Right, we're in the age of God's grace now when his salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. They're available to anyone who will simply believe. 
Not always going to be that way. After we're taken up, raptured out of here, things are going to change. We're in a special time now. Don't let the devil rob you during this season of jubilee. Jesus is available to you in all of his fullness. Another great summary of the ministry of Christ, Acts chapter 10. Who wrote Acts? Anybody know? Holy Ghost, right? But yeah, who, who anybody know? The, the, the man that was inspired to write Acts? Who was it? Yeah, Luke, right? Beloved physician. And this is his summary through the Holy Spirit. I love it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Remember, he's the same Jesus living in you today who went about doing good and healing all, there's that word again, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus of Nazareth, Holy Ghost, power, goes about doing good and healing all that are oppressed. Isn't that good? Now let's hear it from Jesus himself in John chapter 10. Are you ready for this? You got your seatbelt on, right? We'll go through a couple translations here. Jesus talking. He's the one we exalt. Even if what he says is different from what we believe, we trash what we believe and we accept him because he's God, we're not, right? The thief comes only to steal. Who's the thief? God, right? Wouldn't that be horrible? I can't tell you how many times I've heard ministers stand in the pulpit and a little boy just dies and they said Jesus had a plan for him. That's a gross misunderstanding of God. Jesus doesn't take little children home. The kingdom of God belongs to them. If a child dies, it's not the will of God. Yes, they're in heaven, but he didn't do that. My goodness, we're going to get some tough stuff here. I hope you're ready because it's going to set you free. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Here comes the religious bunch again. Well, that's spiritual life. Well, yeah. All of life is spiritual. Amen. Let's look at it in, in another translation. Amplify. I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. When you understand what's truly spiritual, spiritual is not some distant thing that we're going to experience thousands of years from now. Spiritual is a present reality in Christ. It's a spiritual deliverance and that spiritual deliverance gives us a physical deliverance. Spiritual is more powerful than the physical. Let's look at another translation. What's the next one we got there? I love it. Weast, good old Mr. Weast. I alone came in order. I alone. There's no one else that did what he did. Boy, do we exalt him. I alone came in order that they might be possessing. That's present tense right now pronto that they might be possessing life. When? Now. And that they might be possessing it in super abundance. I love God. I, love the way, I just love that He's not a politically correct. Isn't that wonderful? He's not afraid to say what religious leaders may disagree with. God's been kicked out of a lot of churches. Do you know that? I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in super abundance. Look at the New Living Translation. My purpose. I don't know about anyone else, but Jesus said my purpose is to give them a rich uh-oh, and satisfying life. The religious police, like, that's a, that's a full red alert right there. You can't say that in church. Woo, 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 
right? The cars come in. Lock them up. Lock them up. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. New century version. But I came to give life, life in all its fullness. You mean to tell me life in all of its fullness doesn't include physical health? What planet are you from? Right? Life in all of its fullness. I mean, how, how plain could God make this? The message says this. I love this. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's Jesus. Now, why are all these different translations? Because the Greek is very powerful there. I'm going to read to you what Strong's has to say about this word. I think, I don't know how to say it, parisos. Anyway, but this abundant, this superabundance. Strong says it this way, exceeding some number or measure or rank or need, over and above more than necessary. I've come that they'd have more than necessary life. That they have rank, life that would exceed rank, that would exceed their normal expectations, that would be more than they've ever dreamed of, right? It means super added life. I love that. Over and above exceeding abundantly, supreme life, something further, more, much more than all, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, preeminent, uh, yeah, adv with advantage, more eminent, more remarkable, more excellent. Vines defines it this way, abundance, abundantly, abounding, to an advantage, to an exceeding, uh, exceedingly more, superfluous, vehemently, you know what superfluous means? It means unnecessary, especially through being more than enough. Yeah, it comes from two words, meaning over and flow, or over and flow, right? Overflow. I've come that they would have overflowing life. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? This is Jesus. And, and we're going to have to stop here for time's sake. But we're going to get into this thing. And if you'll just take Jesus at his word, you personally can experience a wholeness that is supernatural. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 9 to the two blind men. Become what you believe. According to your faith, it will be done to you. We are people who take him at his word, and we let his word have full right of way in our physical body. So next week, as we go through this, we're going to get more deeply into the revealed will of God for your body so that you can have confidence to receive healing, but not only receiving healing for something you might be facing, but walking in divine health. I'd say the vast majority of Christians don't even know that's an option. How to take authority over symptoms, how to tell your body how to feel, how to tell your knees to bend, how to tell your spine to be in the, in the God's designed uh, shape and structure and to support your body, how to speak God's word to your body. Because your body's not going to automatically fall in line. God's will doesn't automatically happen. We have to enforce it in our soul. We have to enforce it in our body. We have to speak it over our lives or you're not going to see it. You might get little glimpses here and there. So we're, 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 we're going to have a good time. So don't miss it. Father, we thank you for this intro into your sovereignty and into your will. Thank you, Lord. You didn't leave your sovereignty a mystery. You sent your son to show us exactly what you're like. And Lord, we can't find one place in his ministry where he gave anyone a sickness, where he told anyone he wanted them to be sick. We see just the opposite. We see your healing 
loving hand setting people free. Lord, we, we give you full right away in our lives to transform us. We embrace you as the healer. Jehovah Rapha. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for everyone here. Lord, we've all been through different things. We've all heard different things. We've all believed different things. Holy Spirit, I ask that you help all of us to clear our minds this week, to not listen to our soul, our emotions, our, to not listen to wrong thoughts, to not listen to feelings, to not listen to our body, to listen to you and to begin to embrace who you are and walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.